You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Anybody? Raise your hand. He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. The slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body, take the mind. I and every other professor on this campus are here to help you to find, take back, and keep your righteous mind. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. I am happy to be accompanied by none other than Queen of Intellect, Latrice Ross, thank you, Queen, for being with me this morning, holding me down in the special guest co-host position, which you've been in many a times. And we say this, you know, we always say the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. We got a doozy for them this morning. Uh, for you two seekers out there who may have not heard from Latrice, but I don't know how you haven't if you're a regular listener because she, she holds me down quite often. But thank you, Queen, for being on with me this morning. If you will say hello to the two seekers before we introduce them to our extra special guests. And I and I mean the extra special with sauce on it, and we'll get into that um, after you say hello to the two seekers. Thank you, Queen, for being with me. Good morning, truth seekers. Good morning, Montoya. Thanks for having me again. I'm excited to be here. Definitely excited to discuss this topic. Um, because it's one that's near and dear to my heart as a black woman, but also as a diversity and inclusion um, professional. It, it's a talk that I have frequently um, with with people that I come into contact with. So I'm just ready to dig into this dialogue and um, set things off. Uh, absolutely. And our special guest, she is going to help set things off. And I have a extra special intro that we've never done before, but she's quite worthy of. So um, she doesn't notice it's coming, but she's going to be the first special guest with a theme song. And without further ado, I introduce Alicia Coulter to you, to the truth seekers out there. Um, before I let this queen t- tell y'all a little bit of her background, I was fortunate enough to come across her a few weeks ago, and I was absolutely I was on a, a clubhouse for those that are familiar with that platform. Uh, just a week ago, I just happened to, you know, if you're familiar with clubhouse, you'll get pinged from you know with people that you follow or whatever. She's someone that I follow, and so she was in this particular clubhouse, and I listened to this queen break down this Karen with tears in a way that was so impressive. It was a straight knockout, but the lady didn't know what to do with the 
after she brought the pain, brought the information with the data to back it, which I know you appreciate, Latrice, for all the research that you do. So without further ado, Alicia, thank you, Queen, for being with us this morning. Say hello to the truth seekers, hello to Latrice, and give people a little bit of your background as we introduce you and get into this morning's discussion questions. Thank you, Queen, for being with us. Good morning. You totally threw me off my game with that theme song. <laughs> hey, you're the first special guest with a theme song. The truth seekers going to find out before this show over. They're going to find out that you are a real-life superhero. I'm telling you. They're going to find oh, out before you. this show over. You're that. a real-life superhero. But go ahead, Queen. Let's get you back on your game. I know I threw you off a little bit. Yeah. Like, we have fun with it. We do serious conversations, but we're going to have some fun with it, too. Go ahead, Queen. Thank you for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, my name is Alicia Coulter, and I am the CEO and co-owner of Advantage Health Now, and we provide um, health equity consultation, program development, and speaking engagement centered around um, elevating the black community, and that's in all spaces because we know that we knew before it was noted that racism is a public health crisis, but um, in, in knowing that and it being brought to light, I've been able to provide um, health education and just education centered around critical race theory to not just health entities, but other organizations as well. So thank you for having me. It's 7 a.m. West Coast time, so um, give me about five minutes and I'll be on my game. Nah, I can dig it. Hey, sometimes superheroes get the early calls, but now nah, that's it. But actually, I really, really appreciate you for getting up early and being willing to be a part of um, the Mental Dialogue talk show or the community club, as I prefer to refer to what we're doing. Uh, shout out last night to those who were able to come out to our Mental Dialogue live experience um, as we were um, discussing PTSD and relationships last night. Um, shout out to Dr. Katrina Pittman, who held us down for that discussion last night. Uh, but again, for any first-time listeners, uh, we do hard conversations on race, sex, and culture better than anyone in the world. And uh, we find people like um, Alicia Coulter to bring um, more information so that we can be informed and make better decisions. But to know, to get into this morning's discussion question, uh, for again, for first-time listeners, we do this. I go by Black Socrates, so our approach is always to try to ask the right questions, if you will, the Socratic method, asking questions in a sense to get to the right answers. And this morning's discussion question, Latrice, we'll start with you, because um, you, know, you, you know how we always start. Um, health equities, why doctors won't listen to black women? This morning's discussion question, again, is health inequities. Sorry, um, why doctors won't listen to black women. And so the way we start before we go to our first initial break and get hot and heavy into the discussion, um, Latrice, what was your first initial thought? Um, we're not going to go into the second part of that thought, but just the initial thought when you heard, hey, Latrice, can you come on for this particular show? What was the first thought that popped in your head? Let's do this because I've been having this, this talk on intersectionality so often and people dismiss me so much. Let's do it. Hey, I love it. Same thing for you, Alicia, just the initial thought when I said, and it's really about your response to the wording of the question, um, not so much the topic, if you will, because that can, obviously that can vary sometimes. You know, it's no secret we, we use the question as a marketing tool, if you will. And so when you heard the question worded the way that it was, can you recall, I don't care if you, it was a bad thought. What was your initial thought without going any deeper? We're going to go to a break and then we'll get into the actual discussion. 
Good. <laughs> I love it. Like let's let's talk about this because it needs to be talked about. I mean, it's no secret and it's there's no time to coddle feelings. Let's hit this straightforward and because the more you hit it straightforward, the more you can deal with the problem. If we keep tap dancing around it, we won't handle the problem. So that's why I say good. Hey, I love it. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you getting it because, again, this is your first time with us. Uh, you know, my regular listeners, they know we'll play around with the discussion question again just to try to draw, in a sense, you know, no secret to draw people in so that we can have an intelligent discussion, if you will. And so um, you absolutely fit the bill for, in a sense, what we're looking for and, and, and as far as, again, just taking the discussion to the level that we need to take it to. So I'm excited um, as you know, let me say this, as an African-American man, I'm excited to, in a sense, tackle this topic with both of you ladies who are quite am, a, quite able to handle this question, but just in a way that uh, it's just information that we need to hear. Because here's the ultimate thing. As a community, hearing that there are health inequities in the African-American community, if you will, that's pretty normal. People kind of take it almost like now as just kind of, understood, if, as, as you mentioned, um, Alicia, understood with the concept of racism. There's a lot come with it. So the fact that there are health inequities in our community is really no surprise to us, if you will, is always understood. The unfortunate thing is we've normalized it to the point where we actually don't even think about or consider, one, what we can do about it, which is the most important thing. But part of that is because, as you said, we don't deal with it. We tap dance around things. We're not even aware of how bad it really is, even as the community that it's happening to in many cases. So this is a discussion, again, to a degree with us to make us aware and hopefully before the end of the show come up with some ideas of, you know, what we can do. And then myself, even as a black man, as we're focused on black women, what I can do and what can my role be to make sure that, in a sense, our black women are taken care of and protected for whatever role we might can play. So with that said, we're going to go to our first initial break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. If you're online, we'll allow y'all to get in on the discussion as well. The number is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. If you're ready to speak, you do have to press 1. We'll be right back. If you're looking to purchase a home in Atlanta, the question you should ask yourself, do you want a top agent with all the top listings to find you a house? Or would you prefer a personal agent to find you a home? An agent who doesn't simply shuffle you through listings, but specifically researches to help find your dream home. For that personal touch, Century 21 agent Ephraim Abdullah is the agent for you. Known for having the highest integrity standards in the industry, no intentional delays in information, costing you more money whether buying or selling a home, or blindsides at the closing table. Ephraim hand walks all of his clients through a successful home buying or selling process. In the end, they all call him a friend. Contact your new best friend in the real estate industry, Elfram Abdullah, at 404-490-2828. Again, that number is 404-490-2828 or online at EphraimSalesATL.com. 
According to the CDC, about 25,000 women develop severe complications during pregnancy each year. About 700 women die giving birth, and black women are two to three times more likely to die. The disparity in maternal mortality between black people and everyone else is one of the most clear signs that structural racism exists. On top of that, Dr. Neil Shaw says C-section rates have skyrocketed, but there are few, if any, benefits for term babies, and they present more risks for mothers. How do you think that the health system falls short during a woman's most critical and vulnerable time? Childbirth in particular, 80 to 90 percent of the root cause are failures of communication and teamwork. And what that looks like, particularly around racism, is that when black women express concerns about the way that they're feeling, particularly around pain, the whole health system is slower to respond. Dr. Shaw is dedicated to finding solutions and says something as simple as a whiteboard and a standard labor assessment that incorporates the patient's input and expertise, along with the physicians, could save lives. Aisha says she spoke up during her second pregnancy and was diagnosed and treated for gestational diabetes, delivering a healthy baby boy in 2019. Be your own advocate. Ask the questions. Team up with a doctor that you feel comfortable with because your life depends on it. Your child's life depends on it. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Seed, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, health inequities, why doctors won't listen to black women. Our special guest is Alicia Coulter. If you will, Queen, you're our guest, so we're going to let you uh, kick off the response to that cut as we um, hear of all, the, of all the many issues that we could discuss and probably will discuss on this show. I definitely wanted to start kind of at the start of it, if you will, and this issue that unfortunately is an issue, particularly for black women that some people are aware of, but maybe not aware of to the degree that it is an issue. Um, I'll, I'll highlight just from my own research that in a sense, quote unquote, develop, of in developed countries, the U.S. is last when it comes to uh, maternal mortality, in particular for black women, uh, if and a lot of people are not familiar with that. So if you will, Queen, your thoughts on hearing that and kicking off this morning's discussion. Well, first, before um, I answer that, I want to make sure that the listeners understand what exactly what maternal mortality is. Mm-hmm. And it is when a mother dies during childbirth. Or, or postpartum after having a baby, right? And so that is what we're talking about here. So it's when you think about it, this child is being born and is now left without his or her life support, which is her, his or her mother. And so I want to make sure that we understand the seriousness um, of this. And now getting to... Um, the topic and then that clip that you just played. Um, and listening to, to uh, in the, regarding the topic first, um, this topic is very near and dear to my heart because I had personally two traumatic birth experiences. I have three children. I've had three pregnancies, so I was blessed. But let me tell you why I have my children and why I'm still here because I had black female doctors for both of those instances. Um, in regards to the doctors speaking of a whiteboard and, and being able to write notes and collaboration, 
That sounds great in theory. In reality, what we need are more black physicians, more black OBs, not just as your primary OBGYN, but also the emergency OBGYN that's on call, that's Mm -hmm. in the hospital. Because my second birth, I arrived to the hospital scheduled for an induction, okay, and legit within one hour, I was pushing my baby out. Wow. I woke up out of a sleep. I was asleep because they had given me a narcotic. I was asleep. I was knocked out. And generally with the narcotic, they're not supposed to give it to you within an hour of you having the baby because mm-hmm. then the ba- it goes into the baby's bloodstream right. and it could affect the baby, okay? Thank God my child is fine. With that said, I woke up saying I had to use the bathroom, not knowing the pressure that I was feeling with my baby. And my husband said, when I said I had to use the bathroom, he ran to look and the baby's head was hanging out already. The black female physician that was on call, because my doctor wasn't there, mm-hmm. she told me she was in the shower because they told her I was three centimeters the last they she heard from them. Wow. She ran, she ran in there, the black female physician, and yelled out, Jesus. That's all I remember. I pushed once and my baby was on my chest. Wow. Okay? So... I do not know if that black female physician wasn't there, what would have happened with my baby? Mm -hmm. Okay. So what that white male physician said was great, but in theory, and I'm being kind of sarcastic, Mm -hmm. we don't need white people solving our problems. We need black physicians, black healthcare providers, black equity and inclusion experts in public health, discussing at the table, discussing what the real issue is and how to resolve it. Because a whiteboard and a pen is not going to resolve systematic issues that include racial biases, that include structural racism, that include um, health disparities. I mean, I could go on and on and on about this, okay? I could go on and on and on. So that's why I'm saying a white man trying to solve our problems is cute, but him trying to do it alone without not mm-hmm. communicating or having a partner by his side that is black doing the speaking and, and confirming and validating his statement shows another portion of the problem. Makes a lot of sense. Um, your thoughts, Latrice, as you, Listen to Alicia break down her one. Unfortunately, um, I didn't even know it hit this near and dear to you, this discussion. But, yeah, you've had this experience. So this is even you know, a major touch point for you. But go ahead, Latrice, your thoughts. Um, she is absolutely right when she talks about um, what happens to black women um, who are um, pregnant. Um, my daughter had... Um, Unfortunately, she lost two babies before she had my grandson, and I insisted with this this last pregnancy that um, she have a black OBGYN, and I didn't care if she had to drive from Stockbridge to Alpharetta. I would be her chauffeur um, because it was that important to me. Um, Mm -hmm. This is just she she had my grandson just as I was transitioning my career um, into diversity, equity, and inclusion, and 
of course, I'm a researcher and I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I have to change all of my positions um, because if I want to live a lengthy life, that's going to be important. And then when I thought I factored in her two other miscarriages, one of them when she was, you know, relatively far along, um, but black women are three times more likely than other women to experience maternal death, um, death when they're, they're giving birth. And that's sad. And, and like um, Alicia said, that there are social determinants that um, factor into that, um, such as implicit bias and um, structural racism. And, you know, those are things that um, a white person doesn't understand intrinsically because they don't experience that. And so you can look at it from a theoretical perspective, but unless you experience that or your loved one has experienced that, then it does it, it hits differently. Um, and so, um, and then when you think about it, money doesn't even matter because mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's call it out, Serena Williams, she had to insist during the birth of her daughter that something was wrong with her. And to be honest, if, if it had not been Serena Williams, she liked that she likely would have died because doctors don't pay attention to black people in general, but particularly black women, they don't pay attention to us. And y'all are encapsulating so much. And for the listeners out there, if you're on the phone line, if you want to give us some thoughts, tell your story or give your three cents, um, just literally just press one and you'll be allowed to speak. Uh, for those online, the number is 646 646- Seven eight seven one six nine one. As I listen to you, I think back to another show that's very related to this portion of what we're talking about. We did a show on just kind of helping black men understand postmortem. I think I'm saying it correctly, and a lot to learn for us because I didn't didn't really understand what y'all go through mentally and physically. And uh, I remember two of the guests I had on, which was a, um, a mother and a father who had you know recently just had a child. And due to some of the things that y'all said, uh, they actually stayed out of the hospital and went the doula route, black doula route. And it was just a, you know, a huge uh, eye-opening and learning curve for me, just understanding uh, uh, the thought press process behind it and for them. And in that situation, it was just a situation where uh, the, the queen had a child years earlier, and so this was her second child. And she didn't want to go through the hospital experience that was quite terrible and quite traumatic the first time where um, at the time she's a single mother and they wouldn't listen to her. And so um, her and her, her, you know, you know, the father of a child, this time it was a discussion and he hadn't even been open to that consideration. And they did all the research and ended up just having a a beautiful experience, literally away from the hospital. And so I I bring up that situation just to say that's the plight of our ladies out here, our our black women out here. She decided I'm going to go completely opposite of the, 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 the hospital situation. And I listened to you, Latrice break down based on what your own daughter had went through. You were willing to drive as far as necessary to ensure as Alicia just broke down the need for more of people who look like us who can actually come from experience. And as y'all said, not just theory of what can and should be done because you know, I'm pretty sure it's your own experiences. It's that relatability of why having someone who looks like you in the career field, you know, can relate 
and handle it much differently. And the reality is just even, you know, bringing up, bringing up that, that is one of the biggest solutions. And we're always put talking about pushing people into STEM, but the reality is um, while in 2021 and you might see doctors on TV, you know, in the fifties, you wouldn't see black doctors, if you will. The unfortunate reality is we're still missing in a significant manner to the, to the equivalent of our population we're missing still numbers wise. And I do agree, Alicia, that is definitely a, 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 a firsthand fix that, that we as a community, when you say we have to fix it ourselves, it actually starts with identifying our youth in at early age, as early as fourth grade, recognizing, Hey, here's a talent that we can nurture. And even if it, in my opinion, even if it takes an entire family saying, Hey, this the one, and everybody putting their funds together to ensure we're getting those black women doctors and black doctors, if you will. We need that. But if, if we're going to say we need to fix it ourselves, which everybody would agree with, we have to actually think about what that process looks like. Um, your thoughts, Queen? Um, yes. I want to really quick, I want to go back to the doula and home birth. Um, I'm not against home birth. Let me make sure I say that before, you know, stones get thrown. I just want to put this into perspective. You can have a doula with an OBGYN because the doula is there to discuss, help you discuss your birth, determine your birth plan, you know, how do you want to work this thing out? Do you want an epidural, which I, I did. I wanted an epidural. I'm proud of it. Or not. <laughs> um, you know, you can have, you can have those types of discuss, discussions. I just want to encourage the black women or the black families that are going to listen to this, do not um, completely segregate yourself from the hospital system when giving birth because you never know what may happen if the, if the cord was wrapped, wrapped around the baby's neck and they didn't catch it during ultrasound. So many different things can happen. And the last thing you want is to be, especially if you're in a rural area, and you're away from, let's say, two hours away from the nearest hospital, that would not be a wise decision. So just mm-hmm. know that you can operate with a doula and your OB. Absolutely. You can you know, hopefully find an OBGYN that is on in um, sync with you. And even if they're not, your doula can come with you. It's your body, your choice, and you have your doula come with you and, and work with you through the process at the hospital, okay? Because anything can anything with childbirth can shift. I have experienced it where everything was fine. We were playing cards during labor, and then boom, my baby's heart rate dropped. Imagine being at home and that happens. Mm-hmm. So just take that um, into consideration um, as you work through your birth plan. And now regarding building a community. Um, around yeah, let me jump in real quick, if you don't mind. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, 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 you're perfect, perfect. I just want to reiterate, and again, I just wanted to share, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that point out, very glad you brought that point out, because I was just highlighting that a traumatic experience brought somebody to that decision, and, and, and as we always like to discuss on this show, the answer is always in the middle. So absolutely thank you, Alicia, for bringing that point. Do it together uh, whenever possible, because uh, at the end of the day, there are absolutely these where, like she said, having both 
is an ultimate benefit versus an either-or. So I just brought it out that, unfortunately, a traumatic situation had someone look at it to that degree. Where, but, again, we're not discussing either-ors. I agree 100%, so thank you for that point. Go ahead, Queen. I just wanted to just really highlight thank you for bringing that up because sometimes people will receive it as if you're suggesting one or the other, and that is definitely not the point here. Go ahead, Queen. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, now, um, regarding building a village, to uplift our young people, I absolutely agree to be positioned because my kids um, go to a school that has, like, these different pathways, and one of the pathways was healthcare, And I was so excited as a healthcare professional. I've been in healthcare forever. But then to see they closed the healthcare pathway because there wasn't as much interest, oh. it just hurt my heart. It hurt oh. my whole heart. You ain't supposed to come on the show and hurt my heart. I'm hurt right now. I'm just saying. I, why you told I'm, me I'm that? Like, I don't want to hear that. Cause, I want you to tell me that the, the program is I thriving don't. and it's the best program in the school. That's what I need you to tell. Come on in. Uh, come on, please. I know. I will. Come on the show and lie to me, please. Lie to me. I will. Now, that. I'll tell you something positive. I'll tell you something positive. So I got my master's in public health from the University of California, Los Angeles. And so they did confirm that this year they've received so many applications, a record number of applications for um, the public health, the School of Public right. Health. So, you know, so that's, that's positive, right? But those are adults. We want right. to definitely nurture our kids to go Absolutely. in that pathway because they're so, healthcare is so diverse. I'm actually preparing to do a, a talk with some kids tomorrow about um, entrepreneurship. And so in doing my research, there's an article in Forbes where they talk about social entrepreneurship. And one of them, one of the, the, the popular, and I'm putting in air quotes, um, form of social entrepreneurship is focusing in on healthcare and, and educating people on access to healthcare. So although, you know, we need more physicians, but we need it across the gamut. We need social mm-hmm. workers, medical social mm-hmm. workers. We need so I agree with you. We need to educate our youth on the importance of health care. It's not as sexy as being a program manager in, for a tech startup. In the same breath, though, you, will, you can make money in this field. Absolutely. And you can feel good about what you do when you lay your head on that pillow at night. So just I, I agree. We need to definitely uplift them. I'm trying to get at least one of my kids in health care. I'm trying. Right. I'm working on them. Yeah, I just you know, keep so doing it. Absolutely, we I agree. Let me talk to them. I'll get them in there. I, I do an after-school program. I'm good. I'm pretty good at influencing the kids. Uh, we are actually up against our next break, uh, but I would like to highlight um, when, as she say, the idea of it's not as sexy, but the reality is they think about this. They shut down the program. And listen to what I'm saying here. Not because there wasn't enough black kids and arrested there wasn't enough kids and arrested so the healthcare field experiences shortages so i'm always advocating for us to think long term and in thinking long term where there are shortages there's opportunity as i always say stem that could be our new nfl there's there are definitely people outside of the country who literally eye the, the those jobs because of how well they pay and how much generational wealth they can change in their for their families outside the country, they do that. So we can do this from inside the country because there are so many shortages within the field. We're up against the break. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. 
Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of Intelligent Radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Are you trying to figure out your next income stream? Maybe get into cryptocurrency, real estate, or maybe even start your own business. If so, contact the KG Hire Company to receive a professional consultation or strategy session to provide you the advice you need to get a jump start on your new venture. If it's a new business, there's nothing like having a business consultant review your finances, strategy, or marketing. If it's real estate, the KG Hire Company specializes in evaluating deals for profitability and securing special financing for creative real estate acquisitions. If it's cryptocurrency, then look no further than the KG Hire Company to master the components of blockchain technology and investing into cryptocurrency serving atlanta since 2016 the kg hire company is an industry leader in customer experience and getting your money's worth contact them at kghire.com or 833-544-9288 again that's 833-544-9288 Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, health inequities, why doctors won't listen to black women. Our special guest is Alicia Coulter, Master's in Public Health, Master's in Social Work. Uh, thank you, Queen, for being with us. Latrice, wanted to get your thoughts on uh, some of what we were talking about. Obviously, you know, I'm always advocating for our youth and for us to put a perspective. But when we say we got to do this ourselves, we can't just talk about it. We got to think about what that looks like. Um, so your thoughts, Queen. Sure. Okay. So first, I'd like to, um, I'm, I'm going to answer that second, but I'd like to get back to something that Alicia said about mm-hmm. um, making certain that you're collaborating with healthcare with doctors when you are giving birth, um, there's this concept called weathering, and that's how we're impacted by aging. And there are, for, for black women, we age at a higher, at a quicker rate than white women. And this, one, one of the things we were talking about, childbirth, black teenagers, black women were teens who give birth to babies. Those babies have a higher life expectancy than babies born to older black women. And this is just the opposite of what happens with white women. Um, We all know that stressors are living in a society that oppresses black people. Um, The structural racism, the oppression, the wage inequities, all of these things impact us, and they impact our physical health. This also has a tendency to impact us when we go to give birth to children. And so um, it's important that you don't, because many of us like to just exclude ourselves from mainstream society, Um, because I often get jabs at, you know, the middle title, diversity, equity, um, Mm -hmm. and inclusion. They want to be exclusive um, and not take part in our mainstream structures in society, but we can't simply because it's, I guess it's like a, it's a catch-22. The mm-hmm. systems that in place, they harm us, but then we need them also to heal us. Um, secondly, um, 
um, STEM. Medicine is a part of STEM. That's science. And we definitely need um, our young folks to really focus in on that because, you know, just a, an example in my life, I live in, in, in Brookhaven, sort of in the middle of the city, and I was having an issue with um, excessive inflammation, and my, my doctor, my black doctor, general practitioner, referred me to a rheumatologist, and I, I just asked, you know, does he or she look like me, meaning, i.e., are they black? And he goes, Miss Ross, Miss Ross, Miss Ross. And I was like, Dr. Akintobi, Dr. Akintobi. We've been down this road before. He's like, well, if you find one, I'll refer you. I had to go to East Cobb to find a black rheumatologist. Wow. And my appointment was two and a half months out from that time my doctor referred me. Um, and she even exclaimed when she walked in, wow, you drove far. And I said, I wanted a black doctor. And she said, I don't blame you. And she went into how what they see on their doctor message boards um, shows that there is still a lot of bias in healthcare. She said, just the ignorance that, you know, and I said, yeah, I said, like, black people can take um, more pain. She said, exactly. And she said some other things that I don't really want to mention, but she said you did the right thing. And then she just shared her story about her mother needing health care, needing a rheumatologist, and then her rheumatologist is missing her mom. Um, and that's how she got into the field. And a lot of black doctors, it's something that happens personally with their, within their family mm -hmm. that drives them into medicine, unfortunately. Um, that it took something like that to drive him there. But I was glad that I was able to get in with her because, again, two and a half months, 40-something miles one way to see a black rheumatologist. And I want to highlight this, and I'll let Alicia jump in on this. I want to highlight, again, just to give some context, Brookhaven, East Cobb. We're talking about Atlanta, Brookhaven's inside of Atlanta, Georgia. And so this is Latrice's story in Atlanta, the quote-unquote black mecca. And so these stories become even harder and there's even the reality of not having the possibility of doing it in other locations that that, does, that doesn't have a 50% black population, if you will. So I just want to highlight this is an Atlanta story. So it gets worse, the less and less, is, you know, just to highlight why I always advocate we all should just move near each other so we can cut down on some of this, but that's the highlighting the need for us to go into the field and like Latrice is saying, not just being driven by bad stories, but by the fact that culturally we recognize there's an opportunity and we make sure we cultivate our children that have those talents. I'm not saying push every child into it, but sometimes we miss that opportunity or here's what our children face in reality um, quite often. They have the talent. It's recognized relatively late. And the only reason I say late is because while they may do very well in a high school program, they say, yup, I want to be a doctor. They get to their undergrad, get through their basic stuff, and they start getting into the actual classes, and they actually get accepted to um, school to be a doctor, right? They get accepted to medical school. And the day they show up, first year of medical school, they realize their peers have been focused on this since the fourth grade. And it's a huge difference in the how they navigate getting through schools. And most of the time, our kids 
are not seeing a lot of others who look like them unless they're fortunate enough to attend, what is it, Meharry College, I think I'm saying that correctly. If you're fortunate enough to go there, you'll be just fine. There's plenty of us. They understand the history. But if your child goes to some medical school outside of that, they're usually there, not with a lot of people that look like them, and they realize their peers have been focused on this for a decade longer than them. Go ahead, Alicia. Montoya? Uh, yes, but This is what Um Montoya, even beyond that, their professors, when they start, when they when they get that first C, first of all, that's a they may have come from schools where they excelled. They get that mm-hmm. first C in a biomedical engineering class or something, and they think, oh my gosh, I got to change majors. So we have to be mindful in how we raise our children. We definitely want to raise them with a standard of excellence, but we don't want to set the bar so high that we um, mm-hmm. we cause them to limit the the risk factor in their lives. Like, it's okay that you got that C in a biomedical engineering class. Most people wouldn't get that. So we, you know, oftentimes we don't recognize the the mental um, play that takes place when we're raising our children and we're so focused on the A's. Um, that's one of the things that um, I, I, I like to focus on with my daughter and my grandson is that, you know, put forth your best effort. And if that best effort is a C, then great, as long as you did your best. We don't do that. And so when we do, and there's actually studies on efficacy to show that this is true, right. that when our kids go to school, they'll get into those difficult courses and they'll shift gears to a major that's less challenging. So we have to begin to address that. And secondly, those college professors who don't look like us, who have implicit bias, will walk up to our children when they get that. They, they begin to struggle a bit. And instead of offering them additional tutoring, perhaps you should change your major. And, and more often than not, yes. our children will listen to that and change our majors and change their majors. So we have to make certain that we are equipping our children, in a sense, to do battle, to stay in the degree program. And we have to have a, a, a bench that's in place to encourage them and support them when they come against these challenges, because they will, particularly if they go to a PWI. Absolutely. Well, what we're talking about is if we say we have to change it, this is all the things we have to understand. Your thoughts, Alicia, um, and, and as well, Queen? You know, I, I agree. It's just the world doesn't agree, right? The world does not agree that do your best and you'll succeed, not for black kids. Um, white kids have connections at universities, and, and when it's time for matching day, matching day for um, those that are going to be a physician, matches where they're going to do their residency. And all that is predicated on your GPA. You know, what, what did you do with your coursework? How did you do when you were working with your professors? You know, that sort of thing. So, I would love if we could be average and still succeed, and that's part of the problem. I remember I had a client once years ago, and she was going to she wanted to be an ophthalmologist. She was getting ready to get matched, and she said, "You know, there the the ophthalmology field there is nepotism up the yin yang, for lack of a better term," and. Um, she said most of the ophthalmologists are going to be Asian and they get their children's children into the into the field. So not only just their kids, but their kids' kids. 
So if you think back to ophthalmologists, you, you think about what ethnicity, if you've ever gone to see an ophthalmologist, what ethnicity are they usually? I know I've had one, and he was Asian. And I was just like, wow, that's interesting when you think of it from that perspective. We as black people, we don't have that fetism effect when it comes to health care, specifically if you want to go into the, the hierarchy, so the physician, the physician side, then the, the nurse practitioner, PA, then the nurses, and then you have the public health professionals like myself that 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 do the, the, the day-to-day work that makes their builds programs to help the clinicians do their work. And so um, when you think of us from that perspective, it's like, wow, how are we going to break through that glass ceiling? Because usually when you hear about a glass ceiling, you hear about it from a white woman's perspective. I broke through the glass ceiling. I broke through the glass ceiling. When you hear of it from the black community aspect, it's like, we're still at the floor. We haven't even gotten into the into the atmosphere to even get to the ceiling. We're still at the floor. And last time I checked, a lot of times our GPAs are better than because we're taught you have to be twice as good just to just to get to the door. To get to the door to knock on the door. So, um it's unfortunate because that's why you have burnout. That's why you have those of us that quit and say, forget it. You know, we go and we're pre-med and we realize how challenging it is. So then we go the route of PhD and do research or we do, we get our master's and do research versus going the distance and saying, I'm still going to try and become that MD that I always wanted to be. And that's, right. that's the challenge. Yeah, it is. Let me let me look at quick break. Wait, wait. Okay, no, okay. Go ahead and say, get that last thought out so we can no, go to just, break. Okay, just one more thing. And regarding um, getting an appointment, so I had an eye infection. I wanted to go see an ophthalmologist. I found a black ophthalmologist. In at the end of August, early September, I scheduled an appointment. He's not available until mid-December. I just wanted to qualify my sister's. No, absolutely. No, it makes a lot of sense. We're up against the break. If y'all want to join this discussion, I see y'all out there. If it's your first time, people are not used to it, you have to press 1. I hope you're listening. I'm trying to be clear. If you're first time trying to get in, all you have to do is press 1. I have a lot of people who listen via the phone. So if you're just listening via the phone, no problem. If you're wanting to speak, you do have to press 1. I see y'all out there. Um, If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, you need to press 1 to let let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most It's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go, and everywhere I be, 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, health inequities, why doctors won't listen to black women. Our special guest is Alicia Coulter. Um, if you will, Queen, as our guest, um, again, knowing that you do this work firsthand, um, obviously we started out this morning talking about mater- maternal mortality, again, just kind of being the start of it and the risk that black women face particularly in this country uh, but what other areas uh, might you highlight that you know again from you doing this work that you understand that you know obviously you're addressing it within the field but just even us as African Americans in general what areas are, are in a sense are we hurting in that maybe we don't think about until we are uh, quote unquote maybe the victim of a certain situation what other areas do you find there to be large disparities while it probably is across the board in many ways but what are some other areas could you in a sense shine light light on for uh, for this discussion okay so I'm going to come from a different perspective than um, most uh, we're lacking in health education because I'm going to always come from the health perspective because if you're mind and your body are not in sync, then you can't really elevate. You can't move to the next level. Mm-hmm. So academically, we're struggling and health-wise, and so specifically in health education. So I put on these webinars, and I'm not even trying to sell my webinars, so that's not even my point here. Put on these webinars, I will blast it out, my email list, which has like five or 600 people, and then I will post it on social media. I have um, – I'll collaborate with, like, state-level entities. The last one I did was for black-owned businesses in the state of California how to manage these mandates and guidance that's com- coming down, not just from the federal level, from the state, because as many know, California, we, you know, I'm proud of my state, we have mandates across the board when it comes to COVID-19, but that's why we've been able to keep our positivity level lower than most um, outside of that winter surge, but that's a different topic for a different day. But the reason why I say how, the reason why I said that's an issue, I blasted that out. I had about 40 people attend. And it wasn't just for business owners. It's for employees as well because you need to know what your rights are. You need to know how your employer is supposed to protect you. Do we really take the time out to attend these listening sessions given by people that are experts in their field and that are giving their time for free? Like I don't pay most of, well, if I have someone come from, I don't pay them because they're doing it during their work hours. But it's like they're coming and they're giving their time because they could be doing other things. And we don't show up. So I'm going to put the onus back on us because we can't always put onus on the system. The system, we know what they have to do. We know what we need them to do. At some point we have to talk about, okay, what do we need to do? It's Saturday. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm out here. It's 10 o'clock where you are. You're out there. We're here to communicate about this. How many people are here listening? I'm not legit asking. It's rhetorical. How many people are here listening? How many people will listen to this to get this education for free? 
There's so many free resources out here, so much funding coming out to give resources. Resources are not always tangible. We can't always look for the thing we can touch and take home and put in our cabinet. The cabinet that is most powerful to you is your brain. And so the most, the more information you can get to put into that cabinet to use, you will be benefited greatly in the long term. And never forget that. That's why I go to school, because I get things to put in my cabinet that I pull out and I use every day of my life. That box of food you get, yes, you need that to, get, to be able to feed you so that you can use your brain and make wise choices. So we really need to take the time out to, even if it's just an hour a day, to get education so that we can elevate ourselves as a people. Well, we actually got a caller. Um, I definitely have some thoughts on that as well, um, but let's get to the caller. Area code 416 Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Hey, Montoya. This is Leslie, and I'm calling from Toronto, Canada. Hey, Leslie from Toronto, Canada. Thanks for being with us. What you got for us, Queen? Yeah, so um, I don't really know what the system is like in the United States. I know the healthcare system is not free like it is here in Canada. Um, but for me, my issue with the healthcare system wasn't so much racism per se, but because I, I tend to have more of a holistic perspective, uh, I found that a lot of um, doctors and nurses uh, weren't interested in being questioned as to their methodology. And so, I, you know, I ran into a lot of issues with, with doctors and nurses um, because I just had a different mindset about how to go about things. So when I was pregnant with my sons, um, I had a midwife, and or I had two midwives, and, um, you know, that was very important to me because I knew that if I just worked with um, allopathic medicine, uh, I, I was likely to get into arguments <laughs> with an OBGYN. So I don't know. My question to your guest is how much access do black women in America have to midwives and doulas and uh, naturopaths and, and, and uh, traditional Chinese medicine? Like how much access is there to alternative practitioners for black Americans? Thank you for your question. What's your name again? I'm sorry, Miss that. Leslie. It's Leslie. Okay. Hi, Leslie. Thank you so much. Um, so as it is related to non-traditional medicine access, so I want to first address your statement about free health care because that comment is made often about America not having free health care as a blanket statement, and that's not true. So there is free health care. The thing is you have to be within a certain income bracket. So if you qualify for Medicaid, that is free um, insurance unless you have what is called a step down, a pay, a pay down or a step down, or you have to pay a certain portion of that, but it's usually minimal for most. Um, and then you have Medicare, older adults and individuals with disabilities. So I want to make sure that people understand that when we say America does not have free health care, that is not an absolute. Um, as it is related to black women having access, 
we're not a monolith, so, of course, someone like me, I have access to any type of health care that I want because either my private insurance that I get from my husband's employer will cover it or I'll pay out of pocket. When you speak of the vulnerable population, their access to health care and, and having those specialties is going to be as great as the um, provider wants it to be. A lot of times the types of providers that you're mentioning do not want to take the Medicaid insurance because they do not get paid as much, right? So when you aren't in a society where you have to take this insurance, you have practitioners that say, I don't want to take that insurance because it doesn't pay me enough. So um, although in theory the free health care sounds great, it's great for the patient in theory, it's not always great for the provider because of their reimbursement. How much will they get back? And I don't think that conversation is had at that level because we always want to have it at a more empath level and at a level of the providing of health care versus the business of health care. Because people don't go into health care. We don't go into this to, to not make money. So although it it, it is um, – it's one of those um, professions like education where people feel like, just do good and, and, and you'll be blessed. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to do good and I want to pay my mortgage. So, no, I'm going to say in short, probably not. And I only say probably not because you do have some physicians that will take Medicaid. There is a black male physician in Los Angeles that works out of Cedar sinai Hospital. He is a plastic surgeon. And he takes Medicaid because he says that he believes that patients that have Medicaid should have access to a double board certified plastic surgeon, okay? And for black patients, that's great because I have keloids. I get keloids sometimes, ingrown hairs, and I, just want, to, I want to cut out and move on, right? And so he will do that. If you have Medicaid, you can go see him. Again, that's his Decision. Yeah, I understand. So let, me, let me jump in. The practitioner. Yeah, let me jump in because I, I think I think I don't, right now I don't know if you're answering what I think she asked. And let me see if I can get the clarity here. She asked you she, to have access, right? Well, so, well, let me just let me clarify what I and then I'll let her speak for herself as well. She said access okay. to alternative medicine and mm-hmm. other types of holistic stuff. Um, are you saying mm-hmm. that the access may lack in that area due to the amount that those type of um, doctors want to be paid as well? Or because I thought she was asking more about what type of access do do Americans have to alternative medicine options versus just medical it, doctors? That's what I mm-hmm. thought she was. Yeah, asking. that's what I'm. That's what I'm. Okay, I'm saying. Sure, it's I'm it's based okay, on I'm the. I'm lost. Okay, yeah, it's based on the – let me make sure I clarify it. It's based on the practitioner and the okay. type of payment that they accept. Okay. Because if you're talking about access, like can they get to them? Well, we, we talked about that earlier. Access and, and scheduling determines on the practitioner and their availability. It may take two months for them to have availability, but if we're talking about access when it comes to can they go see them, it all depends on can they afford it. That's what it's right. always going to boil down to. Can they afford it? That's always the bottom line. How much does it cost? A vulnerable person that is vulnerable because of income may not have access. 
Yeah, that's sense. the point I'm making. It makes sense. Okay, I'll follow you now. Okay, I, I was missing you. So, Les, we are at the top of the hour. Or say when you ask that question, do Americans have access? Like she's simply saying, absolutely, if you can, you know, your situation, you were able to have two midwives versus the OBG. That was your choice. The reality is, as in Americans, if you will, if we have access, it is based on finances to a degree. So maybe a little different uh, for us, whereas I think what you're saying is because there's universal uh, health care, your access is just based on who you choose. It's obviously not that simple in America is what I think I'm hearing Alicia say. All right. Um, I'll give you a quick thought before we go to the top of the hour break, Queen. Um, any response to that, um, um, Leslie? Yeah, I really appreciate um, her response in explaining Medicaid and Medicare because that's not something really I'm familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. With the midwife, it was covered by public health care, but mm-hmm. in Canada, um, things like going to a naturopath or a, a, a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner, uh, that is not free. You have to pay for that yourself. Um, if you have health insurance with the, your company, then it will be covered, but if not, you're out of pocket. So, yes. you know, that's that's one of the things is that if you don't have the money, then the only thing you have access to is allopathic medicine. And, um, you know, sometimes that can that can be very limiting for people. Now, I respect the thoughts. Thank you for the call, Queen. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you want to be like Leslie, make sure you're hitting one if you're on the phone line and want to get in on this discussion. If you're online, the number to get in is 646 646- Seven eight seven one six nine one. We'll be right back. Some for my guys, Elijah and Lil Bill and Corinne. Say the black of the best, the sweet of the juice. I taste the dark of the flesh, the deep of the roots. I get my heart and my sister's own welfare. If don't nobody else care, and uh, I know they like the beach is down a lot. When you come around the block, brothers clown a lot. So please don't cry, dry your eyes, never let up. Forgive, but don't forget, girl, keep your head up. And when he tells you you ain't nothing, don't believe. And if you can't learn to love, you should leave. Cause sister, you don't need. And I ain't trying to gas up, I just call them how I sleep. You know what makes me young? LNG Technology Services. We are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, health inequities, why doctors won't listen to black women. Our special guest is Alicia Coulter. And, Queen, I wanted to jump into some of your thoughts in reference to the education portion. Um, and, 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 and if we will, I still want to ask you about some other areas that we're seeing issues 
Um, and but just to kind of address some of what you said, I want to hear Latrice's thoughts on this as well. And so, um, obviously, with the show like this, obviously a big portion of what we do is to get the information out, give people the information they need and can use in their own lives. And so, you can imagine, um, even as great as my, if you will, PTSD and relationship discussion was last night. Um, excellent discussion, great therapist. You know, ideally, when we're doing those type of things for our community, we definitely will want the room full. And it, and it wasn't. You know, we had a decent attendance. attendance. Um, being in this space for a long time, um, I just want to say these thoughts to you and hear your thoughts on it as well. Um, what I think I've come to understand within our community, uh, based on to a degree where a lot of us are financially, if you really get into the aggregate, of kind of where we sit in America financially. A lot of people, not not necessarily you or whatever, but sometimes people assume that we actually have more more wealth than we actually have. And when you look at it from a realistic standpoint, what I what I think I find for as much as I give my heart, pull my heart out, and I won't stop doing it because I love our community, where I'm trying to bring people like yourself, like you said, to the table so that we can give people the correct information, I do understand that uh, even – those of us who have, who love to get information, who love to research, who love to look these things up to a degree. My life experience, not that I, I definitely, you know, grew up in a little three-stop light town and, that, and this type of thing or whatever, but I had a life experience where either, you know, my education was absolutely cultivated in culture or, or and some people live in a situation where that's easy to go down that path. If you're in a situation where, and it's human nature, where basic needs are an issue, you spend a lot of time ensuring basic needs are taken care of, and then you spend a lot of time escaping, and not the hour that you're talking about seeking education. I understand that decision when life is hard like that. I understand that decision, and and I agree. Uh, we got to get our people to do it, but I understand it, if that makes sense. I um, just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on it and definitely get Latrice's thoughts on, you know, kind of what I'm saying and, with, you know, what you've brought to the table in reference to health education, if you will. Go ahead, Queen. I, I agree. I understand exactly what you're saying, and I agree. I'm going to give some pushback, though, because I'm about tough love, so I'm not going to coddle the feeling when it comes to individuals saying that it's tough and I don't want to hear what they have to say. When you, the same person will go and spend three hours on Clubhouse, not you, I'm saying in general, will go and spend three hours on Clubhouse listening to some nonsense, right, or go and, and, and scroll on reels looking at some nonsense, learning how to do a viral dance and post it in hopes to go viral, thinking that that's going to be the biggest payout when we know that black TikTokers are undervalued even in that space, right? So I am one of those people where it's like I can be your big sister and give you that tough love. I have empathy for us as a people. In the same breath, the thought process I have is how are we supposed to give if we do not take the time out to learn, how are we supposed to get better and learn from trusted sources that truly care about our well-being overall? 
How, how are we supposed to get better? So the how to me, and then Latrice, I definitely want to hear your thoughts. So the how, so where in just the and I love nuance. So the nuance, in my opinion, of this discussion is, I don't think they say, I don't want to learn that, or they don't want to listen to us. I think their escape is such that they are not even aware that we're doing it. I, I think I think we we still have to be really really own that it that is not a conscious decision to not listen to the correct information. It's consciously literally being unaware. And I'm gonna use this example because I just happened to when I was researching for this show. I didn't, I'm bringing it to the show because I think it applies. So I, I saw this young lady uh, on a TED talk talking about prep, which I wasn't even familiar with or whatever. But I, uh, but for what I understand, is a, a, a drug in particular to assist with um, stopping HIV infection, if you will. Um, I don't know much about it. I just happened to see it prior to st- you know getting ready for this show. But the thing that she pointed out, and she's a um, the sister that did the TED talk as a pharmacist whatever, and kind of like Latrice, well, her dad was a pharmacist, and she was inspired to follow his footsteps. You know, kudos to her. Um, I wish I, would, I wasn't thinking about talking about her, so I wish I had her name. But anyway, so what she says in the TED Talk was she was an advocate for PrEP, uh, again, this particular drug, drug that stops infection, and she, and she said her very first patient, and this is why she did the TED Talk, her very first patient was this black lady that had already contracted HIV, and so for her, she was like, wow. There's something out here that could have stopped it. And then when they looked at, I guess, what they consider the ideal people who should have this education, who should be educated on PrEP, it's you know, kind of based on their their sexual life or whatever. So she fit the exact profile of someone who should have heard about PrEP. And so I, so the reality was, um, you know, speaking of age, I remember the numbers just from, watching, from looking at her TED Talk. So um, for what I understand, black women – um, in particular, are fifty-seven percent of all new cases of HIV, while you know, unfortunately, being only thirteen percent of the population. Um, but in reference to no, and she was talking about the same thing you're talking about—the education. But who get exposed to even know about prep? That number is less than one percent. So, and what she was pointing out was all the people she gives prep to, none of them look like her. And then when she looked into the why, the access to the education was the issue. And again, I'm not trying to put place blame anywhere. I'm just saying I get how these young sisters are never hearing about prep. And I don't think that they're consciously choosing not to go to the free event that teaches you about prep. Um, Latrice, jump in there. And again, I'm not, I'm just, we're just dialoguing through it just to get an understanding of what's the best way to help our people. Because I don't know that I have the answer, but I'm just throwing that out. Go ahead, Latrice. So, so I have a couple of things to say. I said um, first is that um, unconscious, uh, unconscious incompetence is at play here, and that's where we often don't know what we don't know. And mm-hmm. to add to that, we don't know why we would need something if we don't know what we don't know. Um, and so when we look at our community, I'm going to take it to a marketing perspective, and I'm by no means a marketing expert, but when – Companies want black dollars. They have done market research, and they know how to appeal to mm-hmm. get black folks' attention. And so we have to take on that type of stance 
if we want to get their attention. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it's easy to say, well, they need to know this. But we know they need to know this because of the work that we do. They don't do their work. That, that's this work. And more mm-hmm. often than not, they're simply trying to make it to the end of the month with, the, with, with enough money to make it with them. And so they may, they don't, they may not have time to um, focus on the cure. You know, like I, I tell, people tell me I'm very smart and I say, no, I'm very curious. They may be curious mm-hmm. also, but because of life circumstances, they don't have time to, to practice that curiosity. But let's just say McDonald's, like one of the things I hate about McDonald's commercials is when they feature black people dancing for food. That annoys me to no end. But the dancing and the music will get some people's attention in my community. So we have to figure out ways that will get their attention and draw them in and help to dispel, do away with the unconscious incompetence and help them understand this is what you don't know and here's why you need to know. But we got to do it in a way that can appeal to them and get their attention. And it's not coddling. It's just human nature. When you're Mm -hmm. working to survive in an oppressive system, um, you got to do those things. You got to, and I, and I've had to evolve to that point as well. Um, because, you know, when I started doing this work, I was very much, very staunch, very rigid, um, very indignant even, um, with how some folks would not receive or not pay attention to things that needed to be paid attention to. But in doing the research, I've learned, I've softened that stand because I now understand what goes into the day-to-day and understand how, why marketing is so, is such a, a big industry because it makes these companies money. And so we have to, in these things, particularly in these things that are a matter of literal life and death, we're going to have to employ those kinds of tactics to get their attention and help them to understand, to overcome that unconscious incompetence and get to know the things that they need to know and why they need to know them. Yeah, but Lisa, I want you to jump in right here. And so all I'll say to you, Queen, I'm not even different. Like what I appreciate about you most is if I figure out how to get them to you, I want you to not coddle them. I was just <laughs> highlighting that it's not coddled, in my opinion, we're not coddling them to understand or why they don't understand why they need to be here. So that was the nuance that I wanted to throw out at you. We got about a minute and a half before we go to break. So go ahead and get your thought in, Queen, and just know I may have to go to break, and then we'll let you finish. Okay. I'm not going to take a minute and a half. I, I agree with what um, has been said across the board. Um, my my major point is when the information gets to you, so let me preface my statement. When the mm-hmm. information gets to you, when you have the access to the information, when you have the opportunity to go hear about it, go hear about it versus ignoring the opportunity to listen and learn. That's my point. We have – it's shared. Now, you don't know what you don't know. No one can hold you accountable for that. But when you have the opportunity to learn, take the opportunity because it will benefit you in the long run. That's All right, fair enough, fair enough. All right, we're going to go to this break. Um, area code 407, last 3400. We'll get to your after coming out of the break. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase a home in Atlanta, the question you should ask yourself, do you want a top agent with all the top listings to find you a house? Or would you prefer a personal agent to find you a home? An agent who doesn't simply shuffle you through listings, but specifically researches to help find your dream home. For that personal touch, Century 21 agent Ephraim Abdullah is the agent for you. 
Known for having the highest integrity standards in the industry, no intentional delays and in information costing you more money whether buying or selling a home or blindsides at the closing table. Ephraim hand walks all of his clients through a successful home buying or selling process. In the end, they all call him a friend. Contact your new best friend in the real estate industry, Ephraim Abdullah, at 404-590-2828. Again, that number is 404-590-2828 or online at EphraimSalesATL.com. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Absolutely make sure you are supporting those who support the mental... Excuse me. Excuse me. To support the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, and you can also become a supporter of our show at mentaldialogue.com. It is not free to be on these internet airways, if you will, so we definitely need your support. Um, this morning's discussion question, health inequities, why doctors won't listen to black women. Our special guest is Alicia Coulter, and my special guest co-host is Latrice Ross. We have a caller that wants to get in on this morning's discussion. Area code 404, last three, four zero zero. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hi, Montoya. It's Ashley. I was just calling. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for the conversation. I think that sometimes as a black woman, it is very overwhelming and it is exhausting, right? Like just having to constantly advocate for yourself. Like I'm only 35 and like I was diagnosed with PCOS. I know this isn't, you know, um, regarding maternity, but I I was diagnosed with PCOS in 2012, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So it's like a hormone imbalance, all of these different things that makes it very hard for you to lose weight. And this was something like after I got diagnosed, like we looked back at our family history and it was like probably the last two or three generations of women in our family were impacted by this same thing, um, but they had never gotten an official diagnosis. And, like, once I was diagnosed, like, everybody went back and, you know, like, some people were diagnosed and other people, like, it was just the assumption just from how they had experienced um, their cycles and just their body makeup and all of that. And it's just, like, I I get that, you know, we don't know what we don't know, but – it's more just a comment. Like, it's it's just exhausting being a black woman sometimes because we're having to advocate on every front about everything. And, and it gets draining. And, like, sometimes I just want to give up because, you know, it's it's everything. Mm-hmm. And working in finance, um, I, I tend to, like, keep my cards close to my chest whenever I go in and I talk to people about my investment accounts or having conversations on money because I want to see how they're going to talk to me, how they're going to treat me, not only as a woman but mm-hmm. as a black woman. And it's necessary to do that because I want to make sure that they're giving me good information. And so I, I just wanted to, you know, again, thank you for the conversation, but it, it is exhausting having to advocate all the time for mm. for basic rights that we should be right. receiving, right? Professionals take codes of ethics. And if you don't want to uphold that, if you don't want to genuinely service people and, like, make sure that they're healthy or they have the best options, like, don't even do it. It's not even worth it. You know, like, what what you're doing to try to set people back, I, I mean, like, you're going to have to pay for that. Not not you, but, like, these professionals that no, really aren't thinking seriously. So uh, I just wanted to say thank you for the conversation. 
No, I'm moved by it. Um, again, just listening to um, all of you, all the queens, and you in particular, Ashley, um, just hearing it as I think through um, the concept of exhausting, um, just to really, really think about really what our queens and literally are going through because you would hope with health care that you would want to just literally be able to put your, your in a sense, your life or your hands in the, the care of a health care provider, if you will, to a degree. You know, obviously we all start to, like you say, to um, be advocate for ourselves, but the degree that it has to happen to for you as black women having to also be cautious of all these various things, I can, I hear her. I hear that it can get so exhausting that sometimes you just want to give up because, you know, she has to go on with her day-to-day life where she gives the example. She has to do this in her work daily because she's kind of probably another one-of-one in her industry, if you will. Then I have to do it when it comes to your health care. And we always are talking about health is wealth and it's so important and it gets so overwhelming that sometimes you stop taking care of yourself is kind of what I hear the queen saying. And she's just appreciative of the fact that we're just simply talking about it. Um, Alicia, your thoughts, and we've got another caller as well. I agree with this 100%, and I want her to know that we are all exhausted. We have to keep fighting so that we can um, obtain equality. That's just the reality of it, and don't give up. Um, Latrice, your thoughts? And I'd like to add, Montoya, I'd like to add that just, you, you have to advocate for yourself, but you also have to find that space for self-care. Um, if it's an app, if you're using Headspace or something as an app to just find a sense of peace momentarily. This work is exhausting. Being a black woman in America, in North America, is exhausting. So you, you definitely don't want to give up advocating for yourself, but you have to take care of your emotional and mental well-being. And to that, I, I said North America for a reason, because the person, Leslie, who called from Canada, a lot of our folks from Canada don't recognize that biases and, and disparities exist. But if you do the research on Canadian health disparities between black and white women, they exist. Um, they, you know, I think in light of the, there's been some recent discoveries with residential schools that have thrown a number of Canadians for a loop because they thought that they were the perfect um, anti-racial society, and they're not. And a lot of what we experience in healthcare has to do with, now there is some overt explicit bias, but much of it is implicit, and that's the brain thinking for us. And so we have to acknowledge that that exists and and heed accordingly. Absolutely. As I think about I want to sit on my son. Oh, go ahead, Queen. I'm sorry. I didn't catch you. Go ahead and say what you need to say. No, I just think, I just want to sit on my sister. Self-care is the most important thing. I, I do self-care once a week, like intentional self-care, not, oh, haphazard, no intentional self-care weekly, at least one day is a must. Do not be selfish. Take naps because it is hard out here for us. Like, it's very hard. So I wanted to just get up, get up with my sister's thing. No, I definitely respect that, and I and I love that word intentional. Again, just for anybody listening, I love to reiterate great points. And both of you, as you said, started with the self-care and then being intentional about it. And it's just to ask for anybody listening that, again, as I empathize that your daily could be involved with so many things and it's easy to get caught up and not be intentional about self-care. But it's going to be hard whether you advocate for yourself or not, and since it's going to be hard either way, 
the it sounds like one of the best coping things because you can't change if the fact that you are black and a woman in, in this sense. And so without it, it's probably going to be hard for you to advocate. And I mean, we all understand, especially if you have children, the obligation to the next generation. So I hope people will heed those suggestions um, by Patrice as well as Alicia. Let's go to another caller as well. I also want to just highlight um, what the process maybe is like for picking and finding providers, what that looks like for both of you, because it sounds like y'all make some concerted efforts to, as you said, find black women whenever possible. Um, but let's go to a caller, and we'll get back to that after we talk to the caller. Area code 414-LAST-3048. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. I'm Phyllis Young, and I'm calling from Honey Pass, South Carolina. But I was just wanting you to know that I'm listening in and I'm learning information from the other queens. Hey, Mommy. Hey, Sonny. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> okay. That's all I wanted to say. I'm listening. I'm learning. Nah, thank you, Mom. Uh-huh. You're all welcome. Right. Yeah. Uh-uh. Got my mommy out here listening so in and supporting. So y'all, y'all putting it down. Y'all putting it down this morning. Yeah, y'all putting it down this morning. So y'all didn't compare my mommy to call in. So y'all do y'all was definitely be doing y'all thing. I told y'all Alicia was a real life superhero. I told you. I told you she was. Uh but yeah, how about um just the dialogue from both of you? Um, what is the process? Because, you know, here's the reality. There's a lot of um, you know, distrust in our community, rightfully so, from a lot of history, uh, and and current stuff as we speak, as we keep as y'all both keep speaking to. And so you know, if you will, um, what are y'all processes? This is, if I'm uh, processes, I don't even know how to say the plural that word. Y'all teach me, uh, Latrice, I know you can teach me the right word. Um, but what is your process, if you will, for how you select um, providers or in, 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 in these areas? And to be clear, I want to throw this out too, just because um, um, Ashley mentioned it. Um, Ashley, we just started out with the maternal um um, discussion, but we're talking about all areas of healthcare. So I do want to make sure that's clear and that we're not just focused on um, maternal uh, mortality, if you will. So Alicia, again, as our guest, what is your process? Obviously, you just talked about being intentional about your self-care, but if you're going to find a provider, what does that look like for you? So I'm going to be honest. I, I truly do not go about looking for a provider as a professional. I go about it like I would tell any person to go about it. I start with a Google search, and I go to Yelp, and I look. I I used to look at um, different portals for black physicians, but because I, living in California, I can't find any black physicians listed on those going there. Um, but I do a generic search. But once I do that, then I start to research the provider. So once I get their names. Then I go deep. I go to the website. I look up where they studied. Then I look at that program, and I look at the work that they've done. Then <laughs> I call the office, and I will <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, sometimes make an appointment. But before I make that appointment, and I say sometimes because sometimes the office may rub me the wrong way when I call. So I then ask, has this physician studied abroad or has this physician done any type of work in Haiti or in Africa or any other Afrocentric nations? And let me tell you why I ask that. So sometimes 
as black women, we are inherent to have certain types of diagnoses that we have where you have black women um, that are having both of their breasts removed and their ovaries removed to stop the production of that hormone, right? Um, We have keloids. We have other things that most white women will not have to deal with. Not that we're different biologically. There's just something about our bodies that is inherent to certain types of diseases. Some of it has been found because we get relaxer in our hair, okay? And so I asked them if they studied abroad. If they say yes, that makes me excited because that lets me know that they have gone to Africa or Haiti and they've worked on black men and women that are in these areas that are, we're indigenous to. So that's, that's how I do my search. I know it mm-hmm. sounds very like it's not calculated. Honestly, it's very generic, but it well, I'm not. Yeah, well, I'm not looking for that. I just want people to hear someone who understands the field completely, their process. People might yeah. learn from that. And I, I, I think people can learn. Um, you know, my, my aunt uh, was able to find a great provider to, for my mother, just experienced a, a knee replacement surgery. And I, my, my my aunt went through some pretty significant means, definitely looking for referrals, if you will. And, um, we're, you know, we're very happy with the doctor, she, you know, she chose for that, for example. But I just want people to hear your process. It doesn't have to be specific. Um, Latrice, you got about a minute and a half before we go to break as well. Can you kind of share your process? Because I know you've done this on several occasions, even for some of your friends that have had different issues. All right. So, sure. So, for, you know, sometimes it's a Google search, but now that I have a, a group of black practitioners that I trust, I go to them first um, and ask if they can refer me or recommend someone who has this specialty because being a black physician, they have their own network where they network with each other and discuss the the obstacles and stressors that they encounter in their day-to-day work. Um, And then sort of the there's a question for me that I ask that helps me to understand their frame of mind. Um, what are your thoughts on the American Medical Association? Because mm-hmm. it has an extremely racist past. Mm-hmm. And if you're cool with it, then I'm going to keep it moving. Um, additionally, I, you know, if it's something serious, like with one of my, with my BFF, when she was, um, when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, we essentially scheduled appointments to interview. Um, and she wanted a black, you know, a black woman team completely. And we, we were able to put together an amazing um, team of care providers for her who were just amazing. Um, and for the most part, um, it was seamless. There was a little bit of internal wrangling for positioning, but that's to be expected. Um, and she has had an amazing outcome. And um, her surgical oncologist, um, whom I, I absolutely adore, I will go to her in a, in a heartbeat for um, a recommendation because mm-hmm. she's really open about the challenges even that she encounters working in a mainstream healthcare system here in the metro area and how they try to diminish her light because she's outshining the white practitioners in her practice. Wow. Wow. Love hearing y'all processes and, um, as I say, you know, again, just me highlighting another reason to aggregate. I mean, they were able to put together a full team that's, you know, being here in Atlanta, her whole team 
um, look like her. So that's pretty dope. And I'm glad to hear that she's had a, a great um, outcome, if you will. We are up against a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Are you trying to figure out your next income stream? Maybe get into cryptocurrency, real estate, or maybe even start your own business. If so, contact the KG Hire Company to receive a professional consultation or strategy session to provide you the advice you need to get a jump start on your new venture. If it's a new business, there's nothing like having a business consultant review your finances, strategy, or marketing. If it's real estate, the KG Hire Company specializes in evaluating deals for profitability and securing special financing for creative real estate acquisitions. If it's cryptocurrency, then look no further than the KG Hire Company to master the components of blockchain technology and investing into cryptocurrency serving atlanta since 2016 the kg hire company is an industry leader in customer experience and getting your money's worth contact them at kghire.com or 833-544-9288 again that's 833-544-9288 I don't believe we're ever going to succeed and truly people may, we may end up getting a shot in the arm. There may, you may, we may win at the end of the day that a vast majority of people of color get that vaccine, get the vaccinations. But here's the thing. And I really want everybody to hear this until we start to treat the people of color from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, until they start to go into these communities and address all the disparity that address that exists, economic education, health, mm-hmm. housing. If we were, if you really want to get our attention, come in there and say we're going to start addressing 350 years of trouble, of disparity. Yes. Yes. If we're really going to, Absolutely. if you really want to pretend like you care and you really want to, what, you can envelop this vaccination solution into a program where you're saying we are going to give you, address all health concerns. We, we are mentally cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. We have mental health issues, present company in, included. There's mental health. <laughs> there's stress. There's diabetes. There's hypertension. Where are those solutions? Why, are you, why is everybody jumping on the vaccine wagon? And so I say all of that to say, and I know this is a question people are wondering, is where do I stand? It really doesn't matter where I stand on vaccinations. I really I agree. doesn't matter because that's not, my, that's it not why I'm here. But I will tell mm-hmm. you how I thought, how I arrived at my decision. I am, I have pre, uh, comorbidities. There are things that exist in my life that I think would be worsened if I got sick. I have been, I have taken the flu shot every year. I have grew up on vaccination. And you know what? Here's the, Montoya, sit down when I say this. And I, every, I never asked what was in the flu shot. I never asked what was in the vaccinations that I took growing up. I have never seldom asked what was in the vaccinations when I vaccinate my children. So I'm not really sure that this is the time I'm going to die on the sword and say I'm going to be one way or the other because I don't know enough. It's up to me to learn more. That's it. That's my opinion. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, health inequities, why doctors won't listen to black women, as we hear a cut from one of our past shows, uh, Ms. Letra White, one of our, in a sense, regulars at this point. She's been on the show several times. And just to give a little context, 
Uh, she did an amazing study last year where she was just basically going out interviewing specifically people in the African-American community, uh, figuring out their concerns with the upcoming, uh, you know, vaccinations at the time as they were being touted uh, coming online for, you know, SARS-CoV-2, the actual virus that causes COVID-19. And so we just heard her personal, she decided to reveal on the show, I didn't ask her to, to kind of reveal her personal decision. And I just didn't think we could have this discussion today without discussing the worldwide pandemic that we're currently in when it comes to health inequities and getting perspectives from our special guest as well as Latrice, um, special guest Alicia Coulter. So if you will, Queen, I just thought it was just appropriate that we get into that dialogue because we see health inequities specifically when it comes to COVID-19 that, that, that we should be concerned about when you actually look at the actual information versus all of the fears and misinformation that's out there. Your thoughts, Queen? That is such a loaded question. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But you're you're the superhero that's ready for it. You've got all kind of tools to handle this loaded question. No. I I shot the big gun at you with that. Hey, I I shot out the big gun. I got you in a, I got you in a, I got you in a bind right now. But you're a superhero. Work the your way out, please. The rope of dope. So, yep. I heard the passion. Um, my sister that was speaking, and I agree with her wholeheartedly. I'm going to start off with saying, I am fully vaccinated plus one, and um, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to try and do it quickly because I know my time is limited. Um, I'm vaccinated for this for not because I have comorbidities. I'm vaccinated because I am super healthy. I don't get sick, and there's this thing called COVID long haul, and I don't want it, right? So when I so when I got vaccinated, initially I wasn't going to get vaccinated. I was like, I don't trust these white people in that syringe, just like most of most black people. Right? I don't trust them and what's in that syringe. What are they what are they offering? And then I have to sit back and say, Okay, what does this mean, COVID nineteen? What does this mean for us? And so then going back to your question, because I did want to share my thought process and we can talk about that later, but when it comes to our community, I one thousand percent agree that we have so many issues to tackle. These issues were here and have been here forever, starting with us being fed slop while we were being held hostage. You know, they've coined it as slavery, but we were hostages, right? So it starts there, and it has been perpetuated generation to generation to generation, right? Our health care is not a priority of the system. And now it's like, oh, but it's a priority. We need black people to get vaccinated. I understand those frustrations. Just know that it's like the house is on fire right now, and we got to put the fire out first before the rest of the house burns down. That's what this vaccine is. So I get the frustration of our community, like why are they so concerned about us now? But that, like our sis said, that's not the sword to die on. That is not your sword to die on. Get the information you need. So that you can get vaccinated, so we, so that we as a, as a culture can then start pressuring 
these systems to come after us to make sure that we have the same amount of advocacy for diabetes, for heart disease, for um, the lack of economic security. Because we can't go after them if we've lost a great portion of our population due to COVID-19. We just can't, or if we have a great portion of our population that has COVID long haul and brain fog and can't process a simple task, like remembering how to pronounce someone's name, because I know someone that's suffering from that. Mm-hmm. So we have to take that into consideration. We can't die on the sword of and be and revolt and say, I'm not getting vaccinated until you give our community some money. Who suffers? Because the people you're asking that for, they're all fully vaccinated and going on about their lives. So we got to take that into context and make sure that we're fighting a battle with armor versus going into this battle with no armor and trying to prove a point. Absolutely. Uh, Latrice, your thoughts, Queen? All right. So first, when Rupert Murdoch was one of the first ones to line up and did it, I was like, okay, cool, I'm down. (laughs) Secondly... Yeah, 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 I posted about that one, Latrice. Right. I was like, this dude, the king, the king misinformation channel, and he the first one, was literally one of the first ones in line in the entire country. Crazy. Go ahead. So secondly, you know, I know that when we look at our community and the disparities, over 90% of black folks in this country live in food deserts which creates health disparities in our community, diabetes, hypertension, obesity. These are all comorbidities that make COVID, that make it more likely that if you catch COVID-19, you could die from it. And so because we have these, these conditions that are so prevalent in our community, we really need to be lining up. Now, lining up and getting the jab doesn't, shouldn't stop there because these, health, these disparities exist in our community. Why, do, why, why is it that 90% of our community live in food deserts? And what can we now begin to do about that? As your speaker said, this is not the story that we want to die off. But we should not stop the fight with getting vaccinated. That should just be the beginning. Okay, so you were all over our community to get us vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Now let's address some of these other disparities that have been in existence since you released us, so-called released us from slavery. Now let's begin to address those and then begin to tackle those so that we can put our community in a much better place from a health perspective, from a financial well-being perspective, from a mental well-being perspective. But it starts with getting the pandemic under control so folks can get back to living a somewhat, somewhat regular normal existence and then begin to, with fervor, address the issues in our system that, you know, that are associated with systemic um, racism and oppression. No, I appreciate the thoughts um, for the caller. Go ahead, please. Yeah, please can I ahead, chime please. in real quick? I just want to, because my sister brought up food deserts, I want to make sure that I just tackle this one bit of disinformation that I continue to hear that makes my skin crawl. And it's, this vaccine is about population control. Let me tell you what population control really looks like. The imprisonment of our black men at the highest rate of any culture Mm -hmm. on this planet. 
food desert, meaning if you have an EBT card, you can go to Popeye's Church's Chicken, but there's no and, and use your EBT card there, but there's no fresh food or produce within your community within a, within a short mile radius, right? Academic system. Your kids have to be bused out in order to go to school, and then the bus drivers go on a bus strike, and, and then how are you supposed to get your kids to school when you have to be to work at 7 o'clock in the morning? The list goes on. That is population control to keep you in a specific area that's going to cause you harm. They know that in this zip code, police police this area harder than in another zip code. So the likelihood of you surviving because of the stress that is put on your heart is reduced because now you have heart problems. That is population control. This vaccine is not population control. Bill Gates has no hand in this. Well, you know, since you went there, I'll add on. Um, and, and again, it's just to give people things to think about. That's what we do here. For the caller that just got in, if you're trying to get on, make sure you press 1. If you're calling just to listen, you're just fine. Uh, but let me highlight this. We're up against the break, so I'll try to say it as quickly as possible. So the vaccine, I was just having this dialogue with, um, I do um, um, notary, and I have one of my regulars. We're always having a debate about the vaccine or whatever, in addition to the notary stuff. And I just said, I said, um, if you're against the vaccines for various reasons, if you lo- please don't attach it to population control. I said, because it's, there's no logical sense to it um, when the real-life experience has been, for example, in the United States, life expectancy dropped a full year. Um, for African-American males, it's three and a half, three and a half years. Um, Hispanics actually were hit a little harder, and they're like 3.7, the black um, Hispanic males. Uh, but just to highlight the life expectancy even dropping that to that degree, um, about within the last decade, they've had a uh, life expectancy, for the most part, has always increased throughout the world. Uh, we did have some 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 years, a few years ago where there was like a point one decrease. Decrease, and scientists all over the world, especially, especially in the United States, because that was in the United States, trying to figure out why was there ever a decrease? Because typically it always goes up. Well, I'm highlighting all of these information to say the last time there's been over a full year drop in life expectancy was 1922, which was the last year of the Spanish flu. At pandemic over 100 years ago. From 1918 to 1922, there was significant life expectancies drop completely around the world. And so I highlight this to say vaccines would be the opposite of population control because what they could easily do if they wanted to control the population as Alicia just pointed out, there are ways that that gets done, but this is not the way to do it because you would just let the virus run its course. The population is being depleted by the virus running its course. You wouldn't come up with a remedy or uh, a, a vaccine if the virus is already decreasing life expectancy. Makes no sense. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services. We are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, 
Contact LMG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LMG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Let me also take this opportunity to highlight our new video broadcast show, Just My Three Cents, every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For those who know, I've been a long-time rider on this every Saturday morning. We've probably missed only two or three shows over the last six years, so thank you for the long-time listeners. Um, better yet, thank you to, to the long-time Mental Dialogue supporters, mentaldialogue.com. Please go there and become a member or a supporter or a gold member or a platinum member, especially if you're in Atlanta so you can experience our live events and the things that we do here. But ultimately, it's an opportunity to keep, as I call us, the return of Intelligent Radio on the air uh, because, hey, this Internet, as my man Elder Washington always says, um, the, the, the technology is disrespectful, and he says it from the standpoint of, while we obviously can't control the mass media, this, this this form right here gives us an opportunity to make sure that we are talking to our people and that we are giving them the correct information. And for any of you that have a business with a good or service, please consider promoting on this platform. You're keeping us on the air, and you're getting your information out. We have intellectual followers. I call them the truth seekers. So intellectual people are quick to understand quality products when they hear them. So definitely consider supporting. I want to highlight my current um, sponsors, Money Motivation, uh, as well as Ephraim Abdullah. You just um, heard him earlier. He's back um, promoting with us as well as LNG Technologies. Um, so very thankful in the KG Hyatt company. With that said, this morning's discussion question, health inequities, why doctors won't listen to black women, special guest co-host Latrice Ross, as well as our special guest, Alicia Coulter, Alicia, I'm sorry, Alicia Coulter. She is a real-life superhero in this field, and uh, I want to turn it over to her to jump right into, as you said, this education piece. Uh, please jump right in, Queen. Glad to have you um, for this last segment. So, yeah, let's get out whatever you want. You can still get in on the call. If you're on the line and want to talk, you have to press 1. Um, but with that said, go ahead, Quinn. Thank you for being with us. No, thank you for having me. And just really quick, because um, I don't want to stay on stay on this vaccine conversation unless that's what your plan is. No, but not I'm at all. Get back to yeah, I'm going to get back to my point though about education, right? And preventative care is what saves lives, right? We're so used to in America having the discussion centered around treatment. So take two of these and call me in the morning, right? Everyone knows that statement. There's commercials that and, and marketing ploys that were built around that in the 80s and the 90s. Take two of these and call me in the morning. And that's been the focus of health care for Americans for so long. 
to where when we talk about preventative care, so going to see your doctor for your annual checkup, getting your colonoscopy every year, every two years, whatever your doctor has told you that you need, getting your mammogram, getting your vaccination schedule, making sure you've gotten your vaccination because preventative care is not only better for your body, but it's less expensive for you overall, not just fiscally or financially less expensive, but for your body, it's less toll on your body. Getting treatment tears your body down and your body then has to rebuild. So just taking that into um, thought process as you make decisions about how you're going to move through your healthcare through your healthcare system. Are you going to focus on your preventative care, going to your doctor, getting um, vaccinations, getting you know your your tests, uh, mammograms, and such, or are you going to wait until you get sick and then have then now they have to catch up to try and get you better. So that goes back to that health education piece and understanding that preventative care is always best. No, I love it. And let me add to that, and Latrice definitely want to get your thoughts on what um, Alicia is bringing to the table. And I think it's a great way, in a sense, to, with this dialogue to be in this space, to, in a sense, in the show, if you will. Um, you still can get in. We'll let you get in if you hit the one for those on the call on the line. Um, but I would like to just kind of add in in what she's saying that that as she's saying, once you've gotten sick and you're at the doctor's office, there's this constant dialogue about why the doctor doesn't never tell you this or this alternative response versus just wanting to give you a pill. And I try to always put in perspective that um, the, the health field, if you will, your education quite often is in the, your 12 years of health education at primary education. It's the, it's the same industry that's telling, basically telling you the basis of how to be healthy, um, you know, c- control your portions, uh, eat a balanced meal. And so quite often we're never equating that when we're once we're sick and going, why don't they tell us this? I'm like, no, they told you that for 12 years. And it's the same industry and the same people that are, in a sense, telling us pre- preventive, me- pre- preventive measures. Uh, I'm a former veteran, and I remember one time at the VA, just to highlight Alicia's point, um, I'm relatively pretty healthy, and um, I have a little high cholesterol, and they were subscribing some pills to me, and I spoke to the doctor, and I says, um, basically on my levels, can I control this with diet? And um, she says, yeah, based on your levels, you, you, you possibly could. You know, let's do the pills for a while, and then, you know, we'll measure it or whatever. Um I didn't get to go back in because of, pan- of the pandemic, so that's a whole other story. But, again, that's something that, that's being considered between me and the doctor. Um, but she highlighted and pointed out um, that that when she first was a, when she was a younger physician, she would have people that would come in with, with certain levels, you know, maybe they just became diabetic or, or need high blood pressure pills. And so she said she would have people who were, uh, based on where their levels were, that she would say, hey, at this point, you've got this issue. Here's here's the pill to help you with it. Um, but you're at a stage where I can, if you follow this diet, you can get off this pill. She said she would constantly tell people that. And what she found was because of take two of these and call me in the mornings, we've been programmed that nobody ever followed her diet suggestions. So it became pointless for her to suggest it. 
and it was because I brought it up. She said, yes, this is an option for you, but she took the time to highlight why she didn't bring it up. And this just was telling because the comprehensive approach that a lot of times we're desiring has been given to us for 12 years in primary education, and we never think of it that way. We're just mad at the doctor for only wanting to subscribe appeal when the reality is sometimes by that point, this is the best route, even though our skepticism makes us sometimes not take the medicine that we can and should take that actually will help us uh, in the long run. And sometimes our lack of knowledge or, you know, to be ignorance makes us not follow what's best for us at that point, not realizing that it's our own ignorance that has us in the doctor in the first place. Um, Your thoughts, Latrice? So I'd like to kind of just, so I agree. And just a couple of personal stories. My mother-in-law, um, maybe 20 years ago, she was experiencing chest pain, tiredness. She went to her doctor twice. Each time, once they told her, just, you know, get some rest. The next, she'd been experiencing indigestion. They said, here, take some milk or magnesia. You'll be fine. That visit, she went home. She called her friend who was a registered nurse, and she was telling her about how she was getting winded walking from the car to the to her house. And her friend said, you need to get to a doctor immediately. I believe you're threatening a heart attack. She called, and she got an appointment for later that afternoon. She walked into the doctor's office, signed her name, and had a heart attack. And had she been alone, she would have died. Um, mm-hmm. Her doctor didn't listen to her complaints. Over several visits, over several months, he just dismissed everything that every complaint that she had, he dismissed it as just in her mind or just needing some rest or just indigestion. She had a massive heart attack and, and almost died. Um, so we have to be persistent. If something doesn't feel right, we have mm-hmm. to insist that our doctors listen to us. And if they don't, then we find another doctor that will. Secondly, the education piece. I have a friend whom I fear is, is, is dying. Um, she was afraid of getting mammograms because she thought they would hurt. And it wasn't until she experienced a discharge from her breast that she went to a doctor, had a mammogram, and had stage 4 breast cancer, which had metastasized to stage 4 lung cancer. And um, I told her, um, you need to make certain that all of the women whose perspective about mammograms and preventative care that you swayed in your fear, you now need to go back and share them, share with them your story to help them understand that while you may be afraid of this, not doing it has far worse implications. So I, I share both of those stories to, to, to make two points. One, we are our best advocate. If our doctors are not listening to us, make them. If we can't make them, find another one that will. Secondly, don't allow fear to stop you from getting preventative care because Fear of the unknown, fear of pain. I asked her after her mammogram, my, my friend with the breast cancer, is this more painful than the mammogram? And she said, yes, it is. And mm-hmm. I honestly believe at this point, because she, I don't hear from her nearly as often, um, she, when I hear from her, she's weak. I honestly believe that she, uh, if she survives the end of the year, um, I would be surprised. Um, yeah, so that's I very important. No, that's very important. We got about women. 
Yeah, no, no. Thank you for those thoughts. I want to make sure. No, absolutely. I just want to make sure for this last, we got about a minute and 15. Alicia, thank you so much. You were wonderful. You were, again, the real-life superhero I professed you to be. Um, But if you will, let people know how they can follow you and stay in contact. Because, again, I I, I love you on Clubhouse for those who follow you. You know, I follow you. Let people know how they can stay in contact with you. Thank you so much this morning for your discussion. They wear me thin on Clubhouse sometimes, but I stay stay the course. Um, You can follow me on Instagram. I post information. All of my information is centered around critical race theory. Um, I'm very blunt and um, candid at the same time. Um, My Instagram handle is health equity, M as in Mary, P as in Paul, H as in Henry. Um, And that's the best place to get in contact with me because I check Instagram every day, all day. So thank you for having me. And if I can just, if you have not gone to the doctor this year, please go to the doctor. If you do not have medical insurance, I I would never send you to the emergency room unless you really needed to go. But go to the emergency room. Go to the free clinic in your neighborhood. You can Google free clinic. Go to see a physician this year. Do not let 2021 end without you going to the doctor and getting a full body checkup. It it is important because many people did not go to the doctor in 2020, so you got to go this year. Do not let this year end without going to the doctor. Love it. All I ask is that you think. 